Hope, a poem by Liesl Mueller. It hovers in dark corners before the lights are turned on. It shakes sleep from its eyes and drops from mushroom gills. It explodes in the starry heads of dandelions turned sages. It sticks to the wings of green angels that sail from the tops of maples. It sprouts in each occluded eye of the many-eyed potato. It lives in each earthworm segment, surviving cruelty. It is the motion that runs from the eyes to the tail of a dog. It is the mouth that inflates the lungs of the child that has just been born. It is the singular gift we cannot destroy in ourselves, the argument that refutes death, the genius that invents the future, all we know of God. It is the serum which makes us swear not to betray one another. It is in this poem, trying to speak. Hey everybody out there, this is Trevor, this is the Man Up to Cancer podcast. It is a solo show today, just me and the mic. Yikes. (sighs) Today I am reflecting on hope. One of those human abilities that we have all experienced. Um, So bear with me. I I just wrote this today. I literally have like 12 sheets of paper out of my notebook that I, I just wrote down. And so like when I talk about hope, when I talk about my thoughts on hope, I don't like the goal here is not anyone to think the same way or to convince you of something. It's literally just to stir something in your brains, your souls to get you thinking, to challenge you to um, think about it, to really think about what your beliefs are around hope, what it means to you. Um, we've all hoped for something. So as a kid, maybe you hoped for a certain gift for Christmas. When I was five years old, my brother, Justin, and I, all we wanted was this um, Star Wars toy. So there was this from Star Wars. This was 1982. There was this rebel transport ship that was um, used to evacuate the ice planet Hoth. And my brother and I were obsessed with all this. And, you know, we didn't grow up with much. Uh, my parents, we didn't have much money back in 1982. So I I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think my parents said that they were going to, maybe we asked for it for Christmas and they said, um, you know, we'll get it for you when we can. And I remember that they put it on layaway and like every month they'd save up a little bit of money. And eventually they bought this, um, <laughs> this rebel transport ship for us. And it was like the greatest hope that had come true. Um, thanks for the walk down memory lane. And then you become an adult and you have adult hopes to raise happy and healthy children, to have a job you enjoy and that pays the bills and hopefully makes a difference in the world in some way. And if you get sick, if you get cancer, you hope to be cured. As someone who has lived more than four years with cancer, metastatic cancer, who has done 50 plus rounds of chemo and immunotherapy, 
who has had five major surgeries and who is coming to the realization that that goal of cure might not be in the stars for me. This is where the concept of hope gets tricky. And I'll explain in a bit. But first, let me catch you up on Trevor's Cancer Chronicles. <laughs> you really don't need the whole sordid history because we'd be here forever. Um, March 2018, diagnosed, thought it was stage three. It had already spread to my liver, so I was metastatic. Stage four, colorectal cancer. And it spread, so it spread to my liver and it spread into my abdomen, my peritoneum. So kind of the space in between the, the organs in your abdomen. Um, last year, chemo, um, I call it the, uh, the year of the kitchen sink chemo, um, which worked great. And I got to a big surgery, my fourth surgery, um, which was in September of 21 to remove a bunch of cancer from my abdomen. And then I recurred and I had my latest surgery, which was June of 2022, where I had, um, one tumor mass that, and then three other small tumor nodules removed from my abdomen again. And, um, so that was June, 2022. As I sit, as I sit here talking to you now, it is, Ooh, what is it? <laughs> August 8th, 2022. Um, and I just had my blood work returned, my, my post-operative blood work, which are a couple tests that shows of my cancer is still active in my body. And as, as I kind of expected, as I told my wife, Sarah, the other day, I said, I, I expect it to be low positive, meaning um, cancer activity still there, but, but at a very low level. And sure enough, that's what it is. Um, so there's still some residual cancer active after that surgery, after my fifth surgery. And, you know, it's not a surprise. Um, Basically with these last two, it's more of kind of like a reset. You just, um, you know, and with that, with that like reset, you just want more time between surgeries. So I was hoping for, you know, a lot more time before I had a test that shows me I have hectic cancer, but that's what it is, you know? That's what it is. I've been I've been doing this, like I said, like four and a half years, and it has been relentless the whole time. You know, I've had a, a couple breaks and a couple periods of stability, but pretty much my cancer has been with me the whole time. So what now? Um, circle with teams again. Circle with my awesome people at Massachusetts General Hospital. My awesome local oncologist here at New England Cancer Specialist. Hopefully, um, those the awesome folks down at Johns Hopkins. Um, so just circle with them, talk about the options. You know, maybe it's chemo again. Maybe it's immunotherapy. Maybe it's a combo. Um, maybe we're just trying to keep me stable to get me to another surgery next year. Um, maybe it's time to really roll the dice on some of the tri- clinical trials that are out there. Some therapies to re-engage the immune system. Um, for people like me who have mixed response to immunotherapy, um, this is not a strange position for me to be in, right? So this is <clears throat> oh, this is kind of like the life that I've gotten used to, the, the life that I've acclimated to. And the name of the game now is life extension. What can I do to extend my life in a meaningful way as, you know, 
while maintaining a relatively good quality of life. You know, that, I mean, that's really what it's all about. So, so what does this all have to do with hope? So for me, it has really been an evolution of what that word means to me. So at first, the concept of hope was simple. I hope to beat cancer. Early on, when everything is new and scary, that was what I thought hope should look like. And quote, unquote, beat cancer was the popular cultural language that was available to me at the time. Beat cancer. Kick cancer's ass. You got this. As if this disease was a tennis match or some game on the midway at the fairgrounds. I can do that. I can beat that game. The hope was to beat cancer, learn from it, and move on. In my life with Sarah and our daughters, my oncologist even said to me when we thought at the very beginning that I had stage three disease instead of stage four, Trevor, he said, this will be a six-month period of your life, and in time, you'll hardly remember much of this. So that version of hope, simplified, condensed, get rid of this cancer and get back to living. That's where I was at. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that hope or the people telling me to hope for it. Everyone had and has good intentions. My doctors, nurses, the people cheering me on, they all had the best intentions. Those phrases you're going to beat this. You're going to beat cancer. That is the way that we support each other um, in our society. You know, especially those who support people with cancer, those people who, who haven't gone through it. And I had never gone through anything like cancer. And most of those people shouting those phrases of encouragement, cheering, they had never gone through cancer either. So there I was at the beginning of this journey, facing a stage four colon cancer diagnosis where less than 15% of us survive five years with cure, you know, cure as the only acceptable outcome. And so the war commenced. I had part of my colon removed, then went for a liver surgery we hoped would cure me. I recurred. And I was crushed. I went for a second liver surgery we hoped would cure me. I recurred. And I was crushed. I blamed myself. I thought, there's something I'm not doing right. If I could only think or pray the right way, I could be cured. I could win this game. All of that seems ridiculous to me now for a lot of reasons that I'm not going to get into. So I started immunotherapy. Because of my biology, the molecular makeup of my tumors, I am the perfect candidate for immunotherapy, which is basically drugs that release the breaks on your own immune system to go after cancer, rather than chemo, which is just wildfire on all rapidly growing cells in your body. People just like me have achieved long-term remission and even cure with this regimen. 
But I progressed. And I was crushed. Looking back, I would say that progression in 2020 on the drugs that were supposed to be my golden ticket to the cure. That was when the concept of hope really started to evolve for me. The realization came slowly, painfully, that the cure I had been hoping for, that one acceptable outcome, might not happen for me. That specific hope around cure was not gone. It was just fading toward the horizon, just moving further and further out of reach. It was the realization that in all likelihood, my cancer will take my life at some point. It could be a good stretch of time, maybe even five years or more, even more, if we manage my disease as a chronic illness and if the cards fall my way. But the hope for a cure, for a lifespan in which I get to know my grandchildren, should my daughters decide to have children, took up less and less of my thinking. This hasn't been a naive transition. By that time in 2020 and then in the couple of years since, I have lost many cancer friends, dozens of them. We're talking about about strong, brave, loving people who did everything they could to survive. So, All of this is not to say that I've become negative about my disease. In fact, I've actually had a a far more positive mindset the past few years than I did during the first couple of years of cancer. It's just that I have been forced to face the reality of my cancer and the reality of my friends cancered. I've been forced to face and stand and confront my own mortality, my beliefs, on dying and death and my most terrifying fears with clear eyes and without the option to look away. Doing that emotional work has been the most painful process that I've ever gone through and could ever imagine going through. And it has also been the most freeing. Some of you may be thinking, well, this is depressing. It, it must be awful to be going through cancer and to lose hope that you'll be cured. Some of you may even be thinking, well, you're not going to get cured if you don't have hope for it. <laughs> well, you haven't walked in my shoes. I still have, have hope for a long life. It just doesn't take up a lot of my time. Time that is far better spent living in the now rather than being so attached to one outcome. When I spend time on hope nowadays, I hope for things that are grounded in the here and now. I hope for tomorrow to be the best possible day for me and my family. I hope we have a blast on the camping trip we're taking this week. I hope Sage has fun and is surrounded by laughter and love with her friends when the cross-country season starts. 
I hope Elsie and I find an outdoor concert we can go to together this fall. I hope the weather agrees tomorrow so I can take Grace the dog for our usual walk around Great Pond where a light mist might be moving along the reeds on the water. I hope this breeze keeps up to cool the upstairs and so I can hear the rustling of the leaves on the aspen trees. I hope someone in the Man Up to Cancer community feels lifted up within our group today. I hope that when my time does come, that I will be remembered as kind. I hope that Sarah and I will get to sit on the porch and watch as the colors turn from green to gold, then oranges, yellows, browns, this fall. And then again next fall, if Mother Nature sees it fitting. I'm not suggesting that it's a mistake to hope you find a cure. That would be cruel and hypocritical. I still want that too. What I'm saying is that I don't think it's helpful or wise to fixate on a singular hope, especially one that in reality we as cancer patients do not have as much control over as some of us would like to believe. If you look at cancer as some opponent to beat and then get back to living when you're cured, what happens if that cure never comes? What if you go years clinging to that one hope that never gets answered? So much so that outside the treatments and the surgeries, the things you do to keep your body alive, you've numbed yourself out to the life that's right in front of you. What if you're sleepwalking? If you spend long enough in cancer land, you know people like this. They're still living, but they're so consumed with beating cancer, they aren't really engaged in the present. And many are in denial. They never really confront what it means to live and to die and to be human until the better end when it's too late. When I started to hope more about the daily living, the people and the tasks right in front of me, and less about cure, it honestly took the pressure off this giant idea of outliving cancer, of beating it. And I don't mean to minimize at all the pain, the pain, the sadness, the grief, the anger, all of that stuff comes with dying. I mean, and I think especially when you are younger, you know, I'm, I'm 45 right now. I was diagnosed at 41. You know, our daughters are 17 and 15. Um, and there's a lot of guys in the man up to cancer community who have died and are dying um, with families much younger than me. So I just, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea when I say about not spending your time hoping for a cure. Like, of, of course I want all of us to to be cured. I want all of us to live that, um, quote, again, quote, um, 
normal lifespan that that we had all imagined we would live based on our families or or based on the averages that are out there. Um, but I'm just saying for those of us for whom that possibility is fading or has already faded, I'm trying to give some comfort there. And this process of focusing more on the present and um, and and not focusing on this singular goal of, of cure has also allowed me to understand that the number of years that we live, that does not define us as human beings. And it will not define me and it will not define you. The number of years lived does not dictate the impact you have on the people closest to you or even the larger world beyond that inner circle. I have known people in their 90s, 80s, who are and always have been miserable, spiteful individuals who have not done much to make other people's lives better. And I have had the privilege of knowing people like Jared McMillan, who made countless lives better, who lifted me up and so many others in our darkest hours with his compassion, his giving spirit, his unforgettable smile. Jared died in 2021 at age 38 with leaving behind his wife and, and a young daughter. Of course we wish he lived a longer life and could continue to make that impact while he was here on this earth in his body. But Jared's life was enough just the way it was. It was meaningful. He had an impact that is still rippling today and down the line. Listen to me now. He's right here. Lifespan will never define us. It's how we love that defines us. So in closing, yes, of course, it's okay to hope for your own cure. To hope for a long life after cancer. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for me. But that hope has changed for me over time. And I'm glad for that. If you are still seeking that cure in that quest, please don't lose sight of the day-to-day living, what is right in front of you. Don't get lost in the singular idea of survival because you just might survive and look back and wonder, what have I missed? What have I lost? And for those of us for whom cancer will ultimately cause our deaths, Whether that death is imminent for you right now or somewhere around the next bend or two, there is still meaning, deep meaning. There is still beauty. There is still wonder and awe, even if our lives are not to be as long as we or our loved ones had once imagined. Thanks for taking the time to listen. I'll see you next time.